Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See if you can find that. These put late in news reporters stomping grapes. Are you not going to be embarrassed when finally we're allowed to have people over again and someone opens a door in your house and they're like, what the f***? You've got a room full of toilet paper. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Let me be clear. If you're abroad, it's time for you to come home. Sounded like, though, if, you, if you're a woman. I was going to say. Uh, it's time for you to come what home. What about the men? Mm-hmm. In my community, there's a little uh, seniors complex. Went door to door. All of them are like, oh, thank you so much for checking. Can you check in next week? Who are you? I'm like, my name's Dan. What do you want? I'm like, well, we're checking to see. You should not be doing this. Do you have an official badge? You should go back. Daddy, are you going to fight Glamour? <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. You think Star Stock was fun? <laughs> You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. You're a bit late. What was that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, hey, it's a new world. We don't know what's going on. We're doing this podcast from our homes. It sounded on time to me, so that's a bad sign for the next <laughs> uh, two years of podcasts, because that's <laughs> basically how we're going to be doing it via the Skype. Yeah. Um, so what about this Zoom? People, everyone's using Zoom from home, where you can have like 50 people on one call. Yeah, it's uh, technology everyone seems to be enjoying. So are you saying we should just stop and do that? (laughs) No. No, I'm just saying there's lots of things we can try. Who knows what we'll be trying next week? Well, guys, uh, in case you're wondering, we are not in the same room, uh, in case it wasn't obvious by this incredible uh, introduction to this podcast that we've had so far. Uh, we are in our own homes, like many of you, uh, hopefully all of you. I'm sure there's a few of you who aren't, but you need to go home now. Uh, we are doing <laughs> the podcast from our homes. And uh, Stop, you are in your home as well. And I guess we saw a picture of you. You have like an entire DJ set up in your home. Absolutely. I am surrounded by computers in here. So one of the biggest EDM festivals is in Miami and it's not going because of all this is going on. So they were doing live sets on BPM on satellite radio. So you would have fit in perfectly for the ultra um, DJ fest over the weekend on BPM. What would your uh, DJ name be stuff? Well, DJ stuff comes to mind, I guess. Eh. How about DJ afternoon bath? <laughs> yes. Bath in a hotel? Yeah, I like it. I like it. I think I think it's got a nice ring to it. Where was that bath again? Was that in Winnipeg or Saskatoon? Regina. Oh, Regina. Well, it was Regina. Yeah, it was after I slipped in the puke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, those were similar uh, times, weren't they, when we could be around people? Yeah, and travel. Remember yeah. when we used to go on airplanes? So here's a shot that we haven't got, because I'm sure like everyone, I've been watching way too much news, checking for way too many updates on my phone to see what the hell's going on. We haven't seen any shots from inside Pearson International Airport in Toronto. Is it a ghost town? It has to be. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, who? where is anyone 
are flights even going at this point? Like, there can't be many flights going at this point. All aboard. I guess, no, they say that at trains. Not a plane. <laughs> All aboard, West Jet Flight 723 to Winnipeg. All aboard. Tickets, please. I, I checked in already. Tickets, please. <laughs> it's on my phone. Tickets, please. <laughs> hey, guys, this is weird. How's, uh, first of all, uh, well, let's start with stuff. How's uh, self-isolation been? Or have you been self-isolating or have you been going into the radio studio? Uh, so I still go into the radio studio uh, two days a week, Thursdays and Fridays. So they're basically putting you in danger. What what's with that? When are you gonna you guys gonna mutiny? Yeah, that's uh, kind of what's going on. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> well, so, someone's got to be there. Uh, the shows are actually done from uh, like you know from people's homes, but the board op does need to be there. So, right, right. I'm there on the uh, the two days that I still do the uh, morning show. So, soft. Do they have fancy, really crystal clear microphones? Uh, no, I think they have, like, the, uh, headset ones. Hmm. Mm, I see. How's, yeah, our, I, how's our audio? Judge our audio based, uh, compared to theirs. Uh, I, I'd say for uh, what we're doing right now, it's pretty clear. Theirs is a little, uh, it's a more, uh, I guess, a clearer connection than doing it over, uh, Wi-Fi and Skype. Right. <laughs> theirs is, like, a direct line, so a little bit better. I mean, I, I did an interview with Matt, our friend, Matthew Cause, today. And you would have never known he wasn't in studio. It sounded spectacular. So, Stoff, if you can come hook that up in our homes, that'd be great. Thanks. Sounds good. Oh, but Stoff can't come in. He can't come into our houses. Well, you got to leave your door unlocked and hide in the bathroom. Right. <laughs> that's the protocol. Right. That's, keep... that's what I do. That's what I do yeah. with all guests. Ted does that anyway when there's no global <laughs> pandemic. <laughs> and then he jumps out and scares people. Ah! <laughs> uh dan what have you been up to uh during your uh, self uh isolation your social distancing um going to grocery stores and just uh getting the just essentials the toilet paper uh purchases. it's still the toilet paper is still empty and now i'm seeing signs that i have to admit i have not bought toilet paper since any of this started i yeah. know how much i need and i've got enough i've got like Seven rolls right That's now. That's crazy. Right. And again, you could always just jump in the shower and scrub down. Like, it, it, toilet paper is not an essential. It's it's just not. I mean, unless you have kids, then, eh, then you kind of need it. But yeah. I found a ton of it, Dan. And this, I think, tells you how the mom and pop stores have been abandoned. I had to go to the post office. And right next to the post office near my house, there's a small convenience store. And I went in to get a Coke. And I look up and I see on the shelf, there's, there's tons and tons of toilet paper. I'm like, what is going on? And they're like, yeah, nobody's coming here to get it. And I, I'm like, honestly, are you, are, is it really expensive? It's like, I looked, it wasn't that expensive. So I think if you just go to the mom and pop stores and then kind of move away from the giant chains, you might have more luck finding toilet paper if you're really getting desperate. And I think a if, lot of people are. If I get down to it, yeah. Um, I, I, I now know where to go also have been hitting the mcdonald's drive-thru they've got all the precautions there it's only tap now so is this is this the end of money 
Yeah, because money now, is so dirty. I mean, it, it all money and coins are disgusting. Yeah, they are disgusting. I mean, eventually we have to go to a cashless society. Those dollar dollar bills, y'all. I kind of <laughs> feel like good drop stuff. Well, because we got the drops going. That's good. I'm doing what I can, boys. I think, Dan, to answer your question, I mean, how much cash? I don't use any cash ever. I, I pay for everything with my credit card. I. I never use cash for anything. I, so I don't know. It, it, that hasn't affected me that much. I just pay for my under the, uh, the table uh, dealings with cash. What, prostitution? <laughs> my erections have returned. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? Okay, so I have so many questions. Okay, before I get to those, and how's your isolation going? It's going great, Dan. I, I'm embarrassed about it because our lives have changed approximately 0%. Because <laughs> as you know, uh, we have a small baby and we're home with him. All My wife doesn't work. So uh, I'll just wait for staff to bring up my wife. My wife. Uh, my wife doesn't work. So we are home with him all day. And now we just have an extra child at home. And she, the other day we said to her, are you missing? She's four and she's in junior kindergarten, which they have here in Ontario. And we said, are you missing? I missed your friends. And she's like, yeah. And I said, you, you want to go back to school? She's like, no, I'm pretty good here. I'm fine. So <laughs> I think we're, uh, we're okay here. Uh, because the so kids, kids are going to realize uh, we're all going to give up trying to teach them after a week, like pretend to play school. We're all giving up. And then they're going to realize, oh, man, the snack selection is way better when you're at home and not have to take designated snacks to school. I got endless snacks here. I think just in general, you know, school, it's, it's very regimented. And I mean, my wife is as regimented with her scheduling and, and education. She'll definitely not give up after a week, but she'll, she'll keep going with it. But even with that, it's still pretty casual, you know, like compared to school. And I mean, even school that where the kids are really, really young. So I just think they don't want to get up in the morning and have to put on clothes and go into the freezing cold. They'd rather just hang out in their pajamas all day and chill, even if they are doing academic work uh i can have music where we'll just put on a record and listen to that how about uh cocktail um making yeah that's fun i have to say <laughs> i have to admit so on monday dan this past monday there were rumors i think i i might have mentioned that i went and got a bunch of wine in the last podcast and then i forgot that i ordered two cases of wine from 13th street winery that same day just kind of absent-mindedly ordered two cases of wine so i had a lot of wine in my house if i'm hoarding anything i'm hoarding wine but a friend of mine described it as light hoarding i feel like light hoarding is a thing and it because it's not real hoarding i'm not trying to keep toilet paper from people i just want all the wine in my house is that wrong no, that and I'm glad you mentioned 13th Street Winery because uh, we talked about them with Matt Cause and they sent us a couple bottles of wine and some other stuff. I'm having I'm having it right now as we speak because I can have wine because I'm at home. So I'm having their it has changed my 2017 life. Gamay. Yeah, right. They I um I think we have the they gave me a Cab Frank. It's delicious. Yeah, I I think they do great stuff and it's you know you're trying to support local businesses as much as you can. I feel so bad for the restaurants, Dan. I just feel terrible that our friend patrick chris at aloe the number one restaurant in the country he's doing uber eats now you can do i was uh, it's i just messaged him because i saw that i said do you deliver to orno and he did like laughing crying face and i responded with straight face emoji because i was serious <laughs> 
We got it last weekend, and we treated ourselves. It was exceptional. And if there's any rest, you do you do everyone a favor if you could jump on Uber Eats or DoorDash or Foodora or whatever you use. See if one of your favorite restaurants has jumped on there and and support them if you can, because that's the only way they're making money right now. Those yeah, are the and people if, I feel the worst for. And if you don't have an app, yeah, just and you live in a small town. Like I was in my hometown of Peterborough. My cousin runs a restaurant there called The Pin. And uh, we ordered lunch from there and uh, just anything you can do because, yeah, it, the servers, the cooks, the dishwashers, everyone is out of a job right now. And, yes, there's uh, packages to help everyone coming, but who knows how that's – do you have to fill out paperwork? Do you have to – like some people can't make it that long. They need it right now. So um, yeah, we're, yeah, we're thinking sure. of everyone. Yeah, so you make a great point. Yeah, probably a lot of the restaurant owners, they're going to struggle, but you're right. The the dishwashers, the hostesses and hosts, the servers, those are the ones who are really going to struggle. It's Yeah, it's such a difficult situation right now. Uh, my parents you know made it back from Palm Springs, though. That was, That's the good news, Dan. They and, did. Uh, they got, they yeah. got in under the wire. Yeah, it was pretty funny. I, I called them and, you know, they got back. They went through Vancouver and I said, what was the screening process like right because they've been in the united states they've been living in the united states for three months and they're also senior citizens so you know you'd think there'd be a little scrutiny at the border they they go up to the border guy and uh he says uh do you guys feel sick and uh my dad says nope and he said all right carry on (laughs) so that's it so hopefully Hopefully nobody's bringing any Corona across the border because nobody's wrong checking. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> and then I was supposed to convince them not to go out the next day and get groceries. We're like, you're in, you're self-quarantined. Yeah, my aunt and uncle, my aunt, uh, well, Eric, you know my cousin Eric, his uh, parents, uh, Don and Linda, they just got back from uh, a trip down south. And we, I had to tell Eric, I'm like, tell them to stay inside because they're like outside walking. I'm like, no, they can't. You're, you shut down. You locked down. Yeah, you got to shut it down, guys. I I think, I, yeah, I'm embarrassed how much I'm enjoying just being at home. And guys, if, if this podcast uh, sounds as good as it feels to do, I think we're going to be doing all these podcasts from home from now on. Stop. What do you think? I'm in, buddy. All right. <laughs> I love yes. it. Hey. Hey, getting back to the dishwashing. So everyone's been washing their hands and using hand sanitizer. Yeah. And like my... My kids are complaining. My mom's complaining. Everyone I know, my lady's complaining, saying like, "Oh, my hands are so dry." Oh yeah. I've oh, never, yeah. I've never had dry hands. Like, I, is it that from like, I used to be a dishwasher and I also washed at a car wash. Am I like just wet? I guess you're kind of a wet guy. You're kind of a wet noodle. Because <laughs> I, uh, my hands are like. Because you, you know, saw they're me. So dry, they're, they're <coughs> pain. My, my so hands cheap. are so dry, they're sore. Remember two weeks ago, I was leaking from the armpits. I think I've got too much water inside me. Yeah, you're too moist. You need to you need to leak out. You need to uh, drain out. Maybe you need to pee more, or uh, or maybe oh maybe it's all that wine you've been drinking. You're pickling yourself. But it's always been like this. I mean, don't. I mean, go with it because it sucks having. I mean, we got to wash our hands. We got to do it for forever and. We gotta we gotta wash them really meticulously, but yeah, it dries them out big time. I'm surprised that you uh, you haven't been dealing with that. Well, maybe you know what? your hand model. <laughs> well, my hand, one hand that was gibbled, it's almost healed. 
Um, here's the other thing I've discovered after all this hand washing and no face touching. Um, I uh, I uh, pick my nose quite a bit. Interesting, interesting. Uh, you in private, in private, thing? never yeah. in public. Like when I'm driving, I go in for a little. I'm like, oh, shit, why am I doing that again? Yeah, I I find too. That's interesting that you bring it up because I found that I, you know, you're a little kid. You pick your nose. I mean. My kids, are the, my, their hands, it's a surprise when their hands aren't, fingers up, aren't up their nose. <laughs> and then, you know, so you go through that stage of life when you're young. And then you're kind of, especially if you're a boy, you know, boogers are funny, right? And all through, yeah, boogers are just funny in general, but especially when you're, you know, a, a young kid. And then you, you go through that stage where, okay, I got to class it up a little bit, maybe in your late teens, 20s. But then maybe when you get to your 40s, you realize that there's no single thing in the world that's better at picking your nose than your finger. <laughs> exactly. Right? There's nothing you could ever substitute. Even a, a, like a, a Kleenex, it's never as good. You never dig in there and get all the, all the corners out. So I think it just comes to a point in our lives where we just decide, you know what? I think we were given these digits for a reason, and they were to shove them right up our nose. You know who would have been coronavirus central? My father, he carried around like a cloth handkerchief. Oh, a hanky. Yeah. Yeah. So he'd like, he'd launch boogers in there, put it back in the pot. Like, what the? No hand washing. You know what I was thinking about hankies uh, not that long ago? It's funny. We think about a lot of the same things, it seems. And I was thinking, okay, so for example, your mom. So Sandra, your dad's like, you know, hawking boogies and, and loogies <laughs> into this handkerchief, right? And now I assume that Sandra was doing the laundry. So yeah. was he was he just like, here you go. <laughs> He's just like hurling into the hamper. And she's like, oh, Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, I'll have to check with my mom. I think I can text her during this phone call. I think she used to iron the hankies. Oh wow! Okay. She went that That's far. Impressive. That's impressive. That's nice. That's <laughs> what a woman ironing the hankies. Do you think your dad even noticed? <laughs> Probably not. He's out in the field. Yeah, that's true. So okay, uh, so okay, so I had a few things. So air travel. I don't know when that's coming back. Um, dating apps. What's going on with dating apps right now? Are those completely almost shut down? Oh, that's a good well, question. I've never been on one. We should have uh, brought on a, an expert like Hound Dog or one of the guys who works on our show. Oh, Jay. Because hmm. I, I, social distancing doesn't really work when you're trying to hook up with someone. Well, what about the porn industry, Dan? Like, that's, oh, it's, that's boom. right down. Like, but they've got a... I think they've got enough content. People don't need. I think they've got enough. But you would think that. Uh, Neil Brennan used to do that very joke in one of his stand-up bits. Like, I think we're good. I think we've got all the porn we need. But <laughs> it's never enough, Dan. It's never enough because that industry is constantly. Nobody churns out more and new content than the adult film industry, and they've got to be devastated right now because people are expecting uh, new stuff, and by people. I think we both know who we're referring to here. So I, I think that's an industry I worry about. Because uh, they need they need uh, coronavirus porn because it, there'll be coronavirus porn specific porn. 
Oh yeah. Well, that's vid that's video chats and stuff. I think maybe right. Like webcams. Like webcams have got to be booming right now. Hmm. I don't know. Something to look at. Hey, is the handshake is the handshake line in hockey done? Yeah. Good question. Could you do the elbow with the elbow pads? Or and then remember how like by the way we were in studio we were at work one week ago doing this I know it's one week it's, and we should probably explain what happened Dan like we were we we did a hour long show on Sunday kind of normal show and NFL free agency had started and we were fine then Monday we did it they said we'll go down to half an hour well we had we barely like we had so much content. For a half an hour, we had to cut a bunch of stuff. So we we're like, "This is great." If we're doing a half-hour show, we're going to be uh, laughing, even with no sports right now. And then the next day, they said, "Yeah, we we got to shut this down indefinitely for everyone's safety," which we totally support, and, and we wish we could be back doing the show, but we understand the situation. But it was so abrupt. But you're right; it was a week ago, and it feels yeah. like it was six months ago. So, so I mentioned the handshake line. So a week and a half ago. NBA players were leaving the courts, high-fiving fans. NHL yes. players doing the same, but NHL players have gloves on. But yes. that's never happening again. No. Well, I mean, I, people are going to shake hands again, aren't they? Like, like I don't know. I don't ever? know. Handshaking is out. No one will ever touch each other again. Some people will really enjoy that, like producer Tim. How will we reproduce? <laughs> Well, I don't know, put it in a, uh, you put it in a in vessel. Vitro. Everyone, yeah, everyone will do in vitro. Oh, got a response from Sandra O'Toole. I said, did you iron dad's handkerchief? She said, of course I did. Why would not? That was the easy part. Washing them was the hard part. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to say a, a lot of boogers. Oh, what a saint. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Jeez. That is really something. Um. So what else? What else has been on your mind through the course of the past week while you've been home? Because I know you've been thinking about stuff. Oh, yeah. That's all I, I – well, I was supposed to go to um, Denver, what, next oh. week? The weekend. I was supposed to go with Jim Pearl, our good podcast friend. I was supposed to meet him in Denver. We were going to hang out for a weekend because Denver is the equidistant place to meet. He's going from L.A. I'm going from Toronto. Denver That's not, is a, and, a hub. And, again, we didn't know how big this to. was. We spoke like last week before our show shut down. I'm not, I guess, I guess we'll hold off on this. And then, yeah, there's, there's no chance that trip is happening now. You, no, I, I'd say that it would literally be impossible because you can't yeah. cross the border. So, so thinking, yes, thinking about that. And also thinking, um, whenever I have a phone call with uh, friends or family, I ask just out loud, when is the next sporting event in the world that's going to have, 18,000 fans in the same building at the same time. When is that? Like a year? Is it in yeah. six months? I think, okay, let's, well, yeah, let's expand it. But first of all, the sporting thing, I really think, I, I think it's a 2021 thing. I really do. I don't think we're getting, I think if we get NFL in the fall, they're playing in front of empty stadiums at best. Uh, same with hockey. But I, I just, I don't see, and we're going to talk to Bruce Arthur about this. Bruce Arthur from uh, the Toronto Star is our guest and, and a TSN contributor. And he said four to six months. So that's, that's how long it would take to, so, you know, flatten the curve, as they say. 
So I guess that would take us till the fall. So maybe we could be going to the fall. I'd be curious to hear what Bruce says, but I don't see anything happening till 2021. What do you think? Yeah, I, I have to agree with that. It's just, yeah, it's like there's no chance they finish the season. Um, no, NBA or NHL over. this year. <clears throat> that's just, over. Guess they, that CHL yeah. just pulled the shoe. They just canceled the Memorial Cup for the first time ever. Like uh, baseball, baseball has the longest season, so they might be the most savable. So they could even do like, hey, let's do, and it would make baseball the most exciting sport on earth, finally, because they could do like a 30-game season. Well, and the players are pretty far from each other on the field when you think about it. Exactly. Uh, right? Unless you get on base and then you just make a six-foot-long base. Well, maybe there's like a rule like uh, no, you know, just okay, no steals or something, so that the <laughs> first baseman and the second baseman and shortstop could just stand away from the bags, right? Yeah. And so no stealing, and uh, <laughs> you just and but we'll, we'll play every everything else pretty much the same. Um, and and the catcher, the catcher has to be way back. And then the umpire, he's calling balls and strike six feet behind the catcher. Take the umps out of it, which people want to do anyway, and you just use that ESPN pitch tracker. That's how you call balls and strikes. And the, uh, yeah, catcher stands way back, uh, six feet or so back. And I think you could do it in empty stadiums. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, just getting baseball games back on TV, how or just the fact that we'd have something to talk about on TSN. Uh, it would be fantastic. So you're right. Maybe baseball has a, a shot at this down the road. Um, I, I did you know. see what NASCAR did this past weekend? I did see that. Yeah, I did. It was uh, it was on our old network FS1. Um, yeah. So they did a they did a virtual reality race where the actual drivers were racing from their homes, and uh, they did not broadcast it here in Canada. Hopefully, we'll get the next one. But it looked very realistic with like. Uh, Mike Joy and Jeff Gordon calling the race. It it was pretty cool from what I saw. NASCAR on top of things. Well done, NASCAR. Hey, are we yeah, supposed we- to call Bruce right now? Oh, I guess we're supposed to call him now. Woo! Really good, we did it. Bruce, thanks for joining us, buddy. Dan, what a lovely picture I see there. Oh, you can see. Oh, my, of uh, me and my girls. Uh, yeah. How many of these interviews have you done? Because you've been, you you dove right in. To the uh, the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, I had uh, I I just did the math actually. I've written every day but one since March third, and the one day was the gap, or maybe maybe two days since March third. Uh, and the last gap I had was the two. I wrote the day after Rudy Gobert popped. I wrote a sports column the day after that. The Friday night they asked me to write coronavirus. I took the Saturday off to think about it. And I said, yes. And then I started writing the Sunday and I've written every day since then. So that's like a week and a half or whatever it is. And you were the person, Bruce, who, uh, by the way, it's great to hear your voice, buddy. First of all, how are you and the family doing? You have seven, eight children. What is it like being sequestered <laughs> in your in your uh, mints? Well, actually, the good thing is, is we do have a big house. It's super helpful. Like, I'm just, I'm, I feel so bad. We know a couple who uh, are good friends with our daughter and they're like new to the country and they live in like a one bedroom apartment with their daughter and their new baby. And I'm like, we got to do something for them, man. Like it's so much tougher on so many people than us. Like our kids have been pretty good. We got to call this. You know a friend exactly like that. He lives in New York in a small apartment with a uh, young toddler and he had to escape the city. He was going crazy. 
Yeah, no, it's like there's so many people that it's going to be tougher. Um, there's that tweet from, uh, from uh, what's his name, Asted Wedley, Wesley of the New York Times. He's like, buy a small one bedroom, they said. You'll never be there, they said. <laughs> <laughs> Are so. you doing the academic thing, Bruce? You, you're you're a, a true scholar. Do, are you, do you have the kids already in uh, some sort of online learning program? Jen's done a bunch of stuff, actually. Uh, we used to have a calendar that would show like the days of the week where kids had to do something. And now she, so it's a whiteboard. She erased all that. And she just said, now this is what we're going to do every day. So like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's an exercise slot. There's like a learning slot. There's yes. a screen time slot. Like it's not, it's, a lot of it's people not, are doing this. Yeah. It's not rigorous, right? Like we're not forcing them, but like, so like my daughter, Lena, like she does projects. So she's doing all kinds of like, she knit a scarf. And I'm like, okay, awesome. You need a scarf. Um, and the other ones are doing stuff. And it's been so far pretty good. The little one was sick for a few days, but she's fine. <laughs> um, and that she was like blubbering all the time. But And I was in self-isolation for like most of the last time because I was in California. Came back from the Leafs trip in California and had to go into self-isolation. So I just escaped two days ago. Very um, nice. Yeah. Can I read you guys a tweet regarding homeschooling? Uh, this is from Michael Young. He tweeted out today. I assume this is a former baseball player. I don't know. <laughs> so he said, got this from my son's teacher. Thought I'd pass it along. And here's the message from his son's teacher uh, regarding schooling during this. Don't worry about them regressing in school. Every single kid is in this boat and they'll all be okay. When we're back in the classroom, we'll all, of course, correct and meet them where they are. Teachers are experts at this. Don't pick fights with your kids because they don't want to do math. Don't scream at your kids for not following the schedule. Don't mandate two hours of learning time that they're resisting. And that goes yeah. on. If I can leave it with you, one thing, it's this. At the end of all this, your kids' mental health will be more important than their academic skills. And how they felt during this time will stay with them long after the memory of what they did during those four or more weeks is long gone. So yeah, keep that that's in mind awesome. every single day. Yeah, yeah, I know, I yeah there was, was a great. teacher. There was a teacher thread like that. And basically what she said was, look, get them to learn about stuff they care about. Because what you want to inculcate is not um, like academic stuff. It's a love of learning and happiness, right? So we do this thing. We order these things once a month. They're called Tinker Crates. So Tinker Crate is like a box the size of a shoebox. And in it is a something that the kid puts together. So today, what was the thing? Lena put together a phantom, what's it called? It, like you, you look into it and like you see things that are reflected within the box, right? And so the kid puts it together. They love it. They take turns with a new tinker box every month. And like, so that's something they love doing. There was one that was a chaos machine. It showed you how chaos worked. And because what it did, it had this multi like pronged, um, what do you call it? Like it hung from the top and you let go and it swings down with a, with a UV light on the end. So you do it in the dark and it traces where it goes. But because there's so many joints in the uh, fulcrum, I guess, it like every time it's different and it shows you how chaos works. And it was awesome. Like it's one of the greatest things we've ever seen. So we try to do stuff like that. Just have them learn about stuff they like. Can you, send one of, can you send one of those over here? I, I was just going to say, Dan, Dan's love of that tweet, I think, has a lot to do with Dan not wanting to do any sort of schedule in any way. But I was, actually, I was actually the one saying, like, kids, you're going to be up. You're going to be, like, dressed ready for school. And then I saw that, and I'm like, well, I don't want to be the a 
<laughs> I, I just want to know how many Tinker Crates producer Tim has ordered to his house thinking that they're something entirely different than what <laughs> Hey, Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Um, oh, hey, we both said hey, Bruce at the we same both time. Said, hey, Bruce. This whole podcast could be hey, Bruce. Oh, Dan, you go ahead. You do your hey, Bruce. I was going to ask Bruce how much he's going to miss the Olympics. Uh, I both miss it and don't, right? Like, it's because it's the best. It's the best. Like, it's the most fun you ever it have. Is. It's the most it challenging awesome. thing it ever. Is. Yeah. But it's also, it's our it's, favorite it thing. takes so much. Like, it, it just requires, from the way I do it, it just requires so much of you energy and adrenaline-wise. So, like, there's a part of me that's like, summer Olympics aren't as fun because you leave for three weeks in the summer, right? Like, and we usually go to the cottage in the summer and we're swimming every day and having this super healthy lifestyle, living like people. And now uh, that's not going to happen. I don't know how we're going to, how this is, like, this is going to go a while. Uh, this is going to be a thing. Like, I, I, have, I have instructive ways of thinking about this now, which I will share when we start. Well, let's hear it. Let's give us your instructive ways of thinking about it. Because how long do you think this is? You mentioned four to six months. Well, you mentioned in an article recently that, that Italy did the self-isolation, social distancing for two weeks, and it did literally nothing. Because I've talked to a lot of people in my neighborhood, and I feel so bad for them because they're like, they're like, well, you know, in two weeks when we're back at school, I'm like, I don't, we're not going back. That's no not chance. happening. That's, That's not, not happening. We're really said, not. But there's still people really, but Bruce, there's still so many people who I think, even though they might know it's not happening, they're holding a hope because their lives will be so negatively affected just in terms of both parents working and what are they doing for childcare, that type of thing. Well, and what I tried to write, I wrote this on Friday, is I think the prime minister and government needed to start talking to us in different ways. They were talking in a very reassuring, glossy Canadian way. And they were actually, I think they were doing well. Like Christopher Freeland's been good. Patty Hajdu's been good. But um, they needed to talk to us a little bit straighter, a little bit less varnished, a little bit clearer, and also ta start talking about the real risks here, about what yeah. this really is. Because I had a doctor tell me last week, uh, we we're just talking. He's a Canadian doctor based in the States. He's like, this is our world war. And I thought about it and we've grown up in this weirdly ahistorical time. And our parents did too, in a way, like history is like the sixties, right? Like for a lot of people who grew up in North America and whatever has happened, like, but there hasn't been anything global, truly global in our lifetimes that touched everyone like a world war does, like a plague does, because those are the only two things that do. And so when you start thinking about this as we are now living through history, as we're living through wartime, that it's so much more instructive, especially if you frame it in the idea of collective sacrifice, of, of kind of social strength, of individual strength, of difficulty, but a, a light at the end of the tunnel. I think people have to start thinking that way because otherwise, you're right, this is like... It's been such a dislocation of how we think and how we live. And everyone's just swimming out there. And you have to figure out that, okay, I have to learn to live in this world now. And at some point, we're going to hit the new world and things will be different. Right? Do I hear a cat? I yeah. sounds like a cat. That is a cat. <laughs> I'm fine. You got to hey, cats are great in self-isolation. They, they hey, we're living. They yeah. self-isolation. We're living like cats. <laughs> Um, here's my question. So Trump today, so I'm transfixed by all this. I, I watch every Trump news thing. And first off, if you say the news conference is at five, do it at five, please. For the <laughs> love of God. The same with Trudeau. Like just 
just be on time. It, it's a good lesson to learn for everyone. Um, but Trump's saying that they're going to return to business as usual as soon as their 14 or 15 days are over is terrifying for the older demographic because they'll never be able to leave their homes. Yeah, it's it's really dangerous what's happening. Like Canada, it, it, we always compare ourselves to the States, right? Like we compare ourselves because they're our favorite TV show. And what's happening <laughs> in the States right now, this idea has started to become explicitly said, which is there are really, really conservative economists saying the economy is more important than anything, more important than people and literally more yeah. important than lives. And it's becoming the position on the conservative wing of, of, of the United States, like the lieutenant governor of Texas just went on Fox News and said, I'm a grandfather. I would give up my life to protect the economy for my grandchildren, the economy for my grandchildren. Like it, it's it's this it's it's psychopaths economics, right? Like, like it, I don't think, though, Bruce, I agree with you, but I also think it's not just the ultra right wing who are thinking this way. And I think that as this goes on, it becomes more and more difficult for families, not just families who politically are on the right side of the docket. I think you're going to get more and more people who are going to start to warm up to that idea of, you know, as as Trump is obviously saying, just head out and uh, call the herd. And that's the way it goes. And we move on and move forward. And that's what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about the ultra right because you're not going to change uh, the way they feel about it anyway. I'm, I'm more worried that as we go on, uh, more and more uh, people, just regular people are, are going to start saying to themselves, we, our lifestyles have been affected too much by this. I would say two things to that. The first I would say is it's going to change when, uh, when it really hits. Like we're not, someone said today, uh, an epidemiologist said today at UCLA, we're not out of the woods. We're not even in the woods yet. And that's yeah. true. Like, again, we, we've been sent these messages from the future and Italy is one and Seattle is one and New York right now it's happening is one. Mm -hmm. I was getting, there were messages in the, in the Toronto doctor community circulating around because doctors send each other stuff, right? They all know each other. Uh, they, and there was stuff coming out on th Wednesday and Thursday of last week of what was happening in New York. And once it really hits, the problem with this disease, like there's some diseases or viruses, you go in and you're in the hospital for three days and you go out. This one, because of the progress of the disease, it's three weeks quite often. For those who get to ventilators, who get to the ICU, you're in there for three weeks. So a body comes in and they don't leave. They don't get sick fast and they don't, and they don't get bad fast. So it's slow, then it's really fast. When they crash, it's really bad. So once we start seeing that, the hospitals are going to be war zones. There are going to be tents outside every hospital in, in every major city in this country. There are going to be doctors who are going to die, and it's going to be awful. There's going to be nurses. There's going to be people you know or parents of people you know, and it's going to add up. And I hope to God I'm wrong. I hope to God we flatten the curve enough. I hope to God we've got more capacity in the healthcare system than I think we have and that people have told me we have. So, But once that happens, people are going to understand what this is a little more. The second part is this. The, the real pressure of that idea of, okay, we need to get back to work because we have stopped all of society – this is where government needs to stand up. And mm -hmm. they, they started, the $82 billion was good. But you need to make sure that not a single person in this country can't pay their rent. That is number one. That they can afford food. That is number one. You well, need Bruce, how, how do you get the money to them quick? How, because it's always well, paperwork. Super challenging. 
So, okay, so the total payroll for the country, I was told this by an economist, is about $300 billion per quarter. So that's that's the max of what you're going to need. If you were going to pay everybody in Canada their full salary is $300 billion. Let's say it's less than that. Let's say it's closer to $100 billion. The, the logistical questions of how you get it there is hard because they the system is not built even to mail everybody checks, right? Like that's going to be really difficult. So I think what you have to do is you have to go around the back end. You have to, and, they, and there's been patchwork work done on this in certain places, but you need Basically, rents need to stop and mortgages need to stop and the banks need to stop charging interest on mortgages and that hasn't happened yet and that has to be a government priority. You need to basically say, everyone hold on. If you're demanding rent or if you're demanding mortgages, like those are the two things we're worried about here essentially, you're going to get your money, but no one has to pay right now for a month, for two months, for three months, for however long it takes. Your rent goes forward like, and the government, by the time the government gets you the money that you need, this is where only government can solve this problem. This is the problem with attacking government and with that whole ideology is that it's built to enrich corporations and enrich rich people. And when you get actually into government, when you get a problem this big, private sector cannot, they can be a part of the solution. They cannot fix this. Nobody can fix this. Jeff Bezos can't fix this. Government can borrow a trillion dollars. In World War II, Canada was running deficits of the equivalent of, I think, $450 billion a year because they were at war. Well, that's where we are right now. This is this is the equivalent of that in terms of something that affects the whole society. In fact, it may be more significant because, again, it affects everybody. If we want to keep as many people from dying as possible and keep our healthcare system safe, you need to stop society. You need to stop it for I don't know how long because there are different models that will tell you different things. But it's out in the community right now. Doctors will tell you right now that this is being spread from person to person because this virus was built to evade our public health standards and to evade the way we think of how illness works. It is deadly because it wears disguises and it hides and it's super contagious. And so by the time you realize, you might, even, you might never know you had it and you've given it to three people. There's this great thing that uh, a professor in England said, and I want to get this right, uh, Hugh Montgomery. He works at University College of London. Uh, he's a doctor. And he said, so with the flu, every time you give this to someone, right, it's, you infect uh, uh, 1.3, 1.4 people approximately on average. And so by the time they give it to someone else and they give it to someone else, 1.3, 1.4 each, by the time it's gone through 10 people, I'm responsible for 14 cases of the flu. Now, the coronavirus is three people. On average, people, in fact, as far as we can tell, and this is all moving targets, but three people. Once they give it to three people and they give it to three people and they give it to three people, you are responsible, and this number is correct, for 59,000 cases of the coronavirus. As so, opposed to what was the flu number again? 14. Four, oh, my God. Our, our brains are not built to understand exponential numbers. Right. They, it's not how our brains work, but like this thing is so infectious and it's and it hides. Like I've talked to doctors who doctors are starting to when they leave their practices or when they leave hospitals, take off their clothes, put them in a bag, shower at the hospital if you can go home and dump that bag directly into the wash because it lives on fabric. And if doctors get sick, they're vectors for the sickest people in society like this. And then you have to quarantine the people they work with. Exactly. It's happening now already in Toronto. It's going to happen more. It's happening in New York. 
Like the the whole problems with personal protective equipment is gonna is the to me the biggest story in the country. The hundred percent. The biggest thing that needs to happen right now. Like government needs to get people their rent checks, but if they can, if government can issue an edict tomorrow that no one collects rent and no one charges interest on a mortgage and no one collects on a mortgage, then fine, they've stopped that. The, the, the healthcare workers right now do not have enough personal protective equipment. That is masks, face shields, gowns, gloves. Uh, like th they need these things to keep them from getting sick. There are this problem, I've talked to a ton of doctors about this. It is terrifying. It is so thorny. Because if you don't have the right mask, you need to wear a full face shield. The problem with the full face shields, the PAPRs, it's really hard to take them off without contaminating them. And you almost need a coach standing there to do it with you. And it's hard to get them on without contaminating them. And they're hotter. Surgical gowns, same thing. They're hotter to work in, but they give you more protection against any, like, any droplets or anything like that. And that's more difficult. There have been thefts of PPE in hospitals. So there's they, the Ontario government said a week, uh, nine days ago, put it under lock and key. So now what happens if you're in an ER, right? You've got to walk over there. Okay, I need a new mask. You have to unlock this. The whole point of the way PPE has been spread out in hospitals so far, you need to do this fast, right? There's so many problems with how this is going to hit our healthcare system. And again, once it does, this entire idea of right now, things are still kind of normal, right? Like we're not we're not seeing horror on the news. We're seeing weirdness. We're seeing empty streets. We're seeing people worried about money. We're seeing like all these different ways that society is being impacted. But we're not seeing horror yet. We're going to see it. And it's going to be awful. And that's when people are going to realize what this is. Well, Bruce, now that you've terrified everyone. How <laughs> oh, my <I'm> God. <laughs> oh, my God. How oh, can we can we take a breath right now? Oh, actually, in all seriousness, actually, Dan, like that that idea of taking a breath is so important right now. Like, like it, I thought you were gonna say, don't do that. No, no. Like, so <laughs> let me tell you. Let me tell you a quick story. When my dad was dying of dementia, this is gonna be a lot more uplifting than it sounds. As I went out <laughs> to visit him one day, and he was in the middle of a group exercise, and it was a dance class. So they all they put all the dementia patients in a circle, and they did. They did like little dance moves and some of them couldn't do almost anything at all, but the music still, you could see how they, they move a little bit, right? But one of the things they did before they started is they had the two care workers in the middle and God bless these people. They said, okay, everyone's going to take a deep breath as deep as you can, hold it in for four seconds and then release it. And we're going to do it 10 times. So I'm sitting there in the circle and I'm sitting there next to my dad and all these dementia patients and I do it too. Try doing that. Try taking 10 breaths as deep as you can, hold it for four seconds and let it go. Do it 10 times. You will feel amazing. And right now, this whole world can get so claustrophobic or it can get, there's so much anxiety, there's so much fear. Just breathe, man. Sometimes you got to breathe. But isn't that also one of the tests if you have COVID is to breathe no. it in and if you, can't, if you <laughs> no. can't hold it? No. <laughs> it's not, this, this is this, are, you talk, are you talking is about that, the thing where it's, can you hold your breath for 10 seconds? That is not a thing. Okay, so that's not a test. That's not a thing. Okay. No. Okay. Respiratory um, illness. If you feel stuff in your, if you feel stuff in your lungs, if you have a dry cough, if you have a fever, if you have anything that feels at all like the flu, there's also it can also present as gastrointestinal issues. So if you got diarrhea, something like that, um, that's where you might have it. Presume you have it if you're sick at all, and get away from everybody. That's the best way to deal with this right now.
I always have diarrhea, so this is going to be a real problem. <laughs> yeah. um, Bruce, this is a, a terrifying but amazingly informative, and I know you're super busy right now, so thank you so much for, for joining us, and hopefully we can, now that we're, we're just doing everything from our homes, hopefully we can we can do this again with you over the next little while. Can I ask that, one so. question? I want, Bruce, who, who plays the next pro sports game? What league? What league? Oh, that's a good question. Um, UFC will, because they're the worst, right? Like they're the <laughs> ones who get who do who don't give a shit. Um, they were the last ones to stop, basically. Yeah. Um, like the, here's the thing with starting sports again. Let's let's do that for a second. Um, uh, two days before, three days before Rudy Gobert popped, I, st- I I was going. Wait a minute. The pro sports teams aren't doing anything to protect their guys. They're telling them to r- wash their hands. This is going to happen. And I was telling the Toronto Maple Police, like, you guys should, every one of your guys should be in a cage right now, right? Like, because it was going to happen. You need to get to a point where the athletes won't infect each other. How long does it take for the virus to get down to an acceptable level in society, plus whatever quarantine you want to put on your athletes? How long before they can get out on the court and be basketball players or get out on the rink and be hockey players, right? Like, that's, it's going to be hard, Um but l- let me end on a, on a more hopeful note than the ones I have been giving you, because this is <laughs> this is a scary thing and it's a hard thing. Um, I'll tell you the quickly the story of my friend Matt. So my friend Matt I've known since I was two, and he was supposed to get married this weekend on the Saturday, and the wedding got canceled because nobody could come, right? Because people had pre-existing conditions, people worried about being trapped there, and so my I've known Matt since I was two, March March right? March wedding cheap guy yeah. eh? <laughs> no <laughs> so so like his 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 fiance was heartbroken right like tried to do stuff and it didn't work and the, what happened is the moms said we're gonna get this done so they found they picked a spot on the beach far from people eight people attended and they stood far from each other right at the end of the ceremony the only two people who hugged or kissed were the bride and groom no one else did it was very strange and. Here's the thing that we have as we go into this into this era of history where none of us have ever lived through this before. We are all we got. The people you love are all you got. The people in your community are all you got. The people who are trying to take care of you in the hospitals, the nurses, the doctors, the everybody, the pharmacists, the paramedics, they, they are all we've got, right? The people in government who are trying to help, they're all we've got. As a society, this is going to be hard and it's going to be difficult and sometimes you're going to want to cry and go ahead and cry. We, we can get through this with if we trust each other, if we take care of each other. And honestly, previous generations have had it tougher than us, how tougher than we're going to have it. And we can do this, but just remember what matters. What matters is the common bonds that bind us together as, as a city, as a province, as a country, as people, as families. That's the stuff that matters. So when it gets scary and when it gets difficult, and when, when all of this is too much, it's all too much, take a second for yourself and remember what matters, right? Because that's, I think, uh, that's my hope is at the end of this, when we get past this, when there's a vaccine, when the world, when we re- reach whatever the new world is going to be, I hope we remember that we find out a little bit more what really matters in life, right? And that's the best case scenario that could happen here after all the stuff we're going to go through. Bruce, thank you so much, my friend. Take care. Take care of the family. Jay, Dan, love you guys. Take care of yourselves. And uh, love you too, buddy. Next time I see you both. Next time when it's good, big hugs.
Hopefully, okay, yeah. hopefully it's at uh, a future Olympic Games at some sort of uh, <laughs> sketchy pub somewhere. <laughs> You've got a deal, buddy. Thanks, Bruce. Okay, talk to you, buddy. See you guys. That's uh, Bruce Arthur. What? Wow. He uh, terrified us. He made us cry. He yeah. terrified and informed us at the same time. So I he, feel he was everything. He was everything I look for. He was everything I look for in a date. <laughs> yeah, Bruce would be a catch for sure. Um, yeah. Um, hey, uh, hey, hey uh, speaking of crying, did you see what uh, Jeremy Taggart, our good buddy, sent out this week? Uh, they did a remake of uh, Lost Together, the the classic uh, by Blue Rodeo. Well, they've been doing a few of those. Uh, oh, his my God. Yeah. Talk about really crying. I, it came on. I cried. Me and the lady, we started dancing, both crying. And, ah, it's great. So if you, if you check out uh, Jeremy Taggart, uh, you know where he's on uh, Twitter, Taggart7, at Taggart7, and uh, see their version of Lost Together. It is, it is stunning. It is awesome. It's funny because I wanted to bring up Jeremy, when Bruce brought up the uh, breathing exercise that uh, his dad yes! uh, yes! did, right? Yeah. Because that's what Jeremy, Jeremy said that he does yeah. it every day and he hasn't been sick in, uh, hasn't been sick in three years, he said, going, you know, this was a while ago, this was uh, pre-coronavirus, but yeah, interesting how uh, very similar breathing exercises. So and I believe Jeremy's was, Jeremy's was uh, three sessions of holding your breath for six sessions, uh, six seconds. So and then you had to breathe in like with your finger under your nose. That's right. That's right. Under your nose, the breath somewhat. Impede the, impede and the me, breath uh, uh, when you breathe it in. And Jeremy Taggart and I had a nice uh, phone conversation last night. I'm like, Jeremy, up for a call? He called within like two minutes. Well, we had a nice go. chat. Good dude. Oh, good guy. What a, what a good guy. Well, I hope everyone's staying safe out there. We, uh, we're we going to continue to bring you this podcast every week because it seems like we can do that from home. So that's like <laughs> we got to you got to consider the positives, right? We can still bring you this podcast. So we're going to be with you through this whole thing the entire time. Uh, we're not stopping. And, so, and uh, send us your um, send us uh, your easy recipes. I uh, so I always like being in the kitchen. I like cooking. And I made potatoes au gratin uh, this week. Uh, potatoes au gratin. Uh, am I saying it right? I sound like Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah, you sounded exactly. You sounded like Canteen Boy. Yeah, that's, uh, that's exactly. Uh, you said it perfectly. Maybe you could learn um, language and in French. Here's a tip because the all the recipes you may have to make a load. Um, so when you've got the leftovers the next day, you put out a wax paper sheet. And bake them in the oven at like 400, and they turn into essentially sour cream and onion potato chips. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe you should post your recipe for potatoes au gratin on your uh, Twitter or Instagram's accounts. Well, I've been do- posting a lot of Instagrams. I posted my, uh, my um, making a breakfast the other day, and people were very unimpressed by the popping of my toaster. They said it, a lot of people were underwhelmed. It was a. It wasn't like a pop, like like it flew out of the thing. It was like a. Hey. Well, I'm sure someone is taking comfort in your toast popping somewhere. So you're doing good work out there. But if I had video skills, I was going to post today my toast popping, and it was going to fly like 800 feet into the air, like a, like a gif or something. 
All right, we'll work on that. You got the time. <laughs> you got the time to work on it. We've all got time to do stuff. I, I was talking to a friend the other day. He's like, I'm going to learn a language. I'm going to do it. I mean, I I wish I had. Jeff O'Neill's doing that. Jeff O'Neill's learning a language. Right. Well, he married a Korean woman, so it would make sense that he would learn Korean. We should all learn Korean because they beat the coronavirus. That's what I don't understand through all this. If we're really serious about this, shouldn't the Koreans just be coming in and telling us exactly what to do? Yeah, I, I, I love my time there. Anyone that can make a highway side gas bar slash like restaurant place an enjoyable place to be, I'm all for them. And that's what they did. Unfortunately, that's also the Italians, and uh, they aren't they aren't dealing with it quite as well as the Koreans. The Italians, the Italians have nice that. They they have that gas station off the freeway thing. The Italians have that nailed. Uh, they have that food nailed. Uh, well, they have all food. Well, can, the Italians. Do have we have time? Because our ones in Ontario, the on route, they're horrible. Well, they need to get more McDonald's in there. And uh, less of their competitors. That's the what. That's what I say. Hey, shout oh, out the competitors. Here's so I always go to Detroit uh, with the lady, and um, we stopped at a competitor at one of those twice, unknowingly, twenty minutes sitting in the drive-through each time. Yeah, that's not. It's fun. like, have you ever been open before? That's not fun. You'd rather be at home, self-isolation, than that. Uh, hey, stop! You still there? We're good. I'm still here. Hey! We did it. So we, we we did a podcast from home? It appears that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say one thing about the Italian roadside stops there. I do remember when I was there, certain uh, ones do not have a actual toilet in the bathroom. It's just like a hole in the floor. Good. It's a Larry David. Larry David <laughs> opened places in... In Italy. <laughs> yeah. It's quite the sight. Yeah. Who needs a toilet anyway? We'll all have diarrhea and we'll just crap our pants. Hey, DJ Bathtub, how's the crowd there? They're going crazy. <laughs> all right. Keep the crowd moving, my friend. Thanks for listening to the pod, everybody. And uh, I guess we'll uh, talk to you from our homes next week. Bye-bye. All right. Oh!
You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Brought to you by our friends at McDonald's. James Duffy presents the Rubber Boots Podcast. So we're sitting down at our table. The, the waiter comes up. And he's like profusely sweating. <laughs> and this is like 100% his first line to us. He goes, hello. I am not well. I'm very ill. You <laughs> ate there? I came down with it yesterday. I've just not been good. Not good at all. Get it at tsn.ca and anywhere you get your podcasts.